So prior to the Advent and Christmas seasons, we were journeying through the book of Joshua. And so for this month of January, we return to the Joshua series and finish up the book. Um, for prior readings in the book, we learned that the people of Israel had scored some victories in the land of Canaan. They, they, ha they had been successful in their conquests. They'd been moving forward on their mission of entering into the promised land of Canaan. And this is all on account of the Lord's help. The Lord God continuing to perform amazing things to his people, continuing to fulfill his promises. Earlier in the book, the Lord said to the people of Israel to cross over the Jordan River. And the, the Lord provided a dry path for the people by heaping up the floodwaters of Jordan some 30 kilometers up the river, and the, and the riverbed was dry. And the people responded in faith and action. They successfully crossed over the Jordan into the land of Canaan. Then the Lord gave Joshua instructions to destroy the city of Jericho, and he gave them kind of an odd strategy of circling the city. But the people responded in faith and action. The city walls came down. All these events were initiated by God, in which God challenged his people to respond in faith and action. So this morning we read from Joshua 10, and we again hear a story of God's amazing faithfulness. We hear a story of faith and action. And before we read from this chapter, chapter 10, let's come to God in prayer. Father God, we thank you for the book of Joshua and for the stories of your faithfulness to your people. And sometimes we find it difficult to fully understand your ways when there's death and killings. And other times we are just amazed by your love and gr your grace. And then even at times we find that amazing grace difficult to understand too. And all this is okay. So we ask that you bless the reading of your word, bless our listening, and bless our living it out. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Joshua 10, we'll read the first 15 verses. Now Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, heard that Joshua had taken Ai and totally destroyed it, doing to Ai and its king as he had done to Jericho and its king, and that the people of Gibeon had made a treaty of peace with Israel and had become their allies. He and his people were very much alarmed at this because Gibeon was an important city like one of the royal cities, and it was larger than Ai, and all of its men were good fighters. So Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, appealed to Hoham, king of Hebron, Piram, king of Jarmuth, Japhia, king of Lachish, and Debir, king of Eglon. Come up and help me attack Gibeon, he said, because it has made peace with Joshua and the Israelites. Then the five kings of the Amorites, the kings of Jerusalem, Hebron, Jarmuth, Lachish, and Eglon, joined forces. They moved up with all their troops and took up positions against Gibeon and attacked it. The Gibeonites then sent word to Joshua in the camp at Gilgal, Do not abandon your servants. Come up to us quickly and save us. Help us, because all the Amorite kings from the hill country have joined forces against us. So Joshua marched up from Gilgal with his entire army, including all the best fighting men. The Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid of them. I have given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. After an all-night march from Gilgal, Joshua took them by surprise. The Lord threw them into confusion before Israel. So Joshua and the Israelites defeated them completely at Gibeon. And Israel pursued them along the road, going up to Beth Haran, and cut them down all the way to Azekah and Makeda. 
As they fled before Israel on the road down from Beth Horon to Azekah, the Lord hurled large hailstones down on them, and more of them died from the hail than were killed by the sword of the Israelites. On the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord, in the presence of Israel, Son, stand still over Gibeon, and you, moon, over the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped, till the nation avenged itself on its enemies, as it is written in the book of Jashar. The sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a full day. There's never been a day like it before or since, a day when the Lord listened to a human being. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. Then Joshua returned with all Israel to the camp at Gilgal. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So it's in this chapter 10 where we again meet up with the Gibeonites. It was in chapter 9, actually, that we were first introduced to the Gibeonites. The Gibeonites deceived the Israelites by lying to them. The Gibeonites lied that they were from a country outside the land of Canaan, when in fact they were not. And this lie was to prevent them from being completely destroyed by Israel. And it worked. On account of this lie, the Israelites made a peace treaty with the Gibeonites. They swore an oath by God that they would not destroy the Gibeonites. And it was when Israel realized that they had been deceived that Israel then wanted to renege on their oath. But they weren't able to because the Lord's name was on the line. So instead of destroying the Gibeonites, the Israelites made the Gibeonites servants for life. So following the event of the Gibeonite deception in chapter 9, Surrounding kings heard about this peace treaty, and they wanted to destroy the Gibeonites. Five nations gathered together to create a coalition to attack one nation. Five against one. Yeah, it's unfair. It's unfair competition for the one nation. And this would immediately beg for some backup. Word was sent to Joshua about this pending war. The Gibeonites, the servants of Israel, they needed help. They needed saving. Joshua and the Israelites were being challenged to assist the Gibeonites. Israel had a responsibility to protect their servants. The Israelites honored their oath and that they made with the Gibeonites, and they immediately left Gilgal. They marched all night to Gibeon, which is about 40 kilometers away. With earlier takeovers and destruction of Jericho and Ai, the Lord provided the Israelites with instructions in advance. This time, the Lord did not provide any instructions of how they were to accomplish this victory. The Israelites were challenged to respond in faith that the Lord will be with them. They were able to respond based on their past battles. They simply did what they were called to do. Joshua and his army acted in faith, and they jumped into action. The same was true when Joshua came before the Lord, and he prayed to the Lord to have the sun and the moon stand still, in order to allow Israel to keep fighting. And Joshua was bold in his prayer while he was asking for a miracle. He boldly prayed this in the presence of all of Israel. All of Israel knew what Joshua requested of the Lord. And Joshua's bold faith was witness to the people of Israel. 
Joshua and the Israelites, they moved forward in faith, knowing that the Lord had always been faithful in their past. They had faith to know that the Lord's response was going to be favorable for their future. It's in Hebrews 11, New Testament book, Hebrews 11, verse 1, where faith is defined. We read these words, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. You see, we don't, we don't always see the results or the understanding behind God's actions. But we still have hope in what we do not necessarily see. We have hope that because our God has been faithful in the past, he will continue his promises to be our faithful God in the present and in the future. And we're challenged to reflect on God's past faithfulness in our lives and in the life of his church. Knowing that God has always been faithful in the past will allow us to boldly move forward in faith and be certain of things even though we do not see what lies ahead. We will not always know how God will make himself known in the future, but our faith prompts us to still act. James 2, New Testament book, James 2, 26, it says that faith without, without action is dead because faith and action, they go together. And often we use the phrase, we use the phrase uh, referred to the leap of faith. This means that faith is active. A leap of faith implies action. You see, faith and action, they go together. They don't oppose each other. They complement each other. And it's when our faith is stretched that we are prompted to action. We'll be like Joshua, who moved forward in faith, helping people he hardly knew, let alone people who deceived him and the Israelites. Will we be like Joshua, who made a bold request for God to stop the sun and the moon for a period of time? Will we have the bold faith of Joshua and to make that leap of faith to find out after the fact how God will intervene to our leap of faith. There may be some here this morning, perhaps you're sitting in a certain circumstance, and you're waiting for God to act first. We love the Lord. We have faith in the Lord. We want to serve God. But we're somewhat hesitant or reluctant to put our faith into action. There's often numerous opportunities to act, to serve the Lord in the ministries of the church, beyond the ministries of the church. There's always an invitation to lead or be part of small groups, to be involved in pastoral care work, to engage in outreach opportunities, to participate with other organizations outside the church. And yet sometimes we feel we just kind of need to wait to have God tell us to go. We feel that we need to see God act first before we do. How often don't we say that I hope God will open a door? I say that phrase often, especially this month. We think that God first has to open that door or maybe open up our busy schedule to make more time before we can use our gifts within the church 
We think that God first has to increase our financial wealth before we make that extra commitment of tithing to the church. And we, we typically are not patient people, but we'll be, we will with certainty be patient for God to act first. You see, living in faith is not always easy. Now, people, God has acted first. God has shown his faithfulness to us in the past. And maybe now he's looking to each of us to see how we are going to respond in faith and action in the present. So he challenges us to make that bold leap of faith and to see where this he will lead, then lead us in the future with his blessings and with his grace. And likely not without challenges. Respond to God in faith in all areas of our life and see how God will intervene and how God will continue to work out his plans in us. Some here may recall that our church was on a faith renewal journey a couple years ago and one of the common phrases that was often heard was for us to go to the edge of our comfort zone and once we are at the edge of our comfort zone, once we're there, we take one more step beyond. Sometimes there will be actions that we are called to that seem beyond our reach and beyond our limits. But maybe God is calling us to make that leap of faith. Again, based on Hebrews 11 verse 1. Knowing what we hope for, but not able to see all that is before us. That's how it is with Joshua. Joshua could not see what was ahead of him. But based on God's past faithfulness, Joshua knew that he could take this leap of faith and the Lord will provide. It was God who led Joshua and the Israelites toward another victory. And Joshua boldly moved forward in faith to assist the servants, the Gibeonites. And how did God respond? God then said, don't be afraid of them. I have given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to withstand you, talking about the enemies. Joshua and Israel immediately made that leap of faith to assist the Gibeonites, only to immediately find out that God was again going to fight for them, that he was again going to win their battle, because that is what God does. He does this through his people, and he does this in this passage also through a hailstorm. And sometimes faith means that we don't understand, always understand God's methods. Joshua prayed here for the sun and the moon to stand still. And as verse 14 states, there's never been a day like it before or since. A day when the Lord listened to a man. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. Joshua had faith in the saving power of the Lord. Not just in the fact that the Lord can do miracles, because he's already seen that but that the Lord will use miracles to save his people. That the Lord is compassionate and sensitive to the needs of his people. The Lord fought for Israel, and he fought for the salvation of Israel. The salvation of Israel is in the Lord's hands. We sang that this morning. He's got the whole world in his hands. And so Joshua made this request to the Lord. The power and control of the Creator Lord 
brought hail upon the people. The power and the control of the Creator God made the sun and the moon stand still so the Israelites could win this battle. Now there's often much disagreement in about this passage about whether the sun can actually stand still. Some people have a problem with the language in this passage because we know that the sun doesn't actually move. It's actually already standing still. However, when you think about it, we use the same language today when we enjoy the beautiful sun rising or the beautiful sun setting. Others have difficulty with understanding that such a miracle of a longer day could occur without sending the world into utter chaos. Well, regardless of exactly how the Lord performed and accomplished this miracle and answered Joshua's prayer, by faith we simply look at it as an amazing miracle by a Creator God. How does one understand any miracle? It's simply faith. You can't always explain a miracle. We need to simply believe that God can do anything and believe this with faith. And if we have difficulty believing in the miracles, then we will have difficulty believing in the virgin birth, the resurrection of Jesus, the ascension of Jesus Christ, the inspiration of the Bible, all miracles. We'll have difficulty that Jesus came down as God in human form, and he did that for a purpose. He did that to save you and to save me. You see, to understand the point of this story is not necessarily to understand the miracles. To understand the miracle of the sun or even the destruction of the hailstorm. But it's about knowing the power of our Creator God and how Joshua and the Israelites were then able to move forward in faith. And so we too need to have that act of faith that Joshua did. So we ask, how do we get to have this faith? Well, it's God who gives us the faith. He gives us the gift of faith. The Lord acts through us, in us, through the power of the Holy Spirit. It is the Lord who gives us faith through the Holy Spirit. But we have to be willing to respond. We have to be willing to receive this faith too. The Holy Spirit pours out the gift of faith into us. And, and we read this through the scripture passage of 1 Corinthians 12, verse 9, which states pretty clearly that the gift of faith comes through the Holy Spirit. In fact, one of our Reformed Confessions as well, Article 22 of the Belgian Confession, states this, The Holy Spirit kindles in our hearts a true faith that embraces Jesus Christ. And it goes on to say that faith is the instrument that keeps us in communion with him and with all his benefits, end quote. Again, we need to be open to receiving the gift of faith through the Holy Spirit. Be open to our faith spurring us to action. Now, in a sense, this might sound rather silly, but it takes faith to have faith. So let's ask the Holy Spirit to open our hearts receiving the faith that we need to believe. Our God does amazing things. God always acts. And because God is faithful and trustworthy, and He is always in control, we can move forward in faith. Taking that extra step 
beyond our comfort zone, exhibiting our faith even before seeing what's next. God acts, we respond. God always acts. And we see that throughout Scripture. And we see that in the story of redemption. God has sent Jesus Christ in human form into this world for his chosen people. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And we are called to believe this. We are called to respond to this. To move forward in faith and in action to witness this amazing news to others. This morning, we witnessed the sacrament of baptism of Daxton. And we had said these words that baptism is a community event. And as a community, we are reminded through the sign of baptism of God's promises through Jesus Christ. We are also reminded that it is the Holy Spirit working in this event and working in our lives. The Holy Spirit is working in the life of parents to give give them faith to respond. And based on their faith, the faith of the parents, the Holy Spirit will work in the children. The Lord has initiated and made covenantal promises. In baptism, the Lord acts. The Lord speaks. Baptism is about God's covenantal mercies and His grace. Baptism is a Christ-centered event. It's not about the parents. It's not about the children. It's about Jesus. And the Lord calls his people to respond in faith and in action. Not always an easy task. Bringing up children in the fear of the Lord. And as parents and as a body of Christ, we've made a commitment to respond to the Lord's amazing grace by ensuring that our children and our young people are are equipped in their faith. We have a covenantal responsibility to ensure that we take up the role of faith Take, take up our roles in the faith life of the children. And all this in itself takes faith in the life of the parents and the life of the congregation. Our God has initiated amazing promises to his people. And we have faith in these promises. And that spurs us to action. Perhaps it spurs us through prayer and encouragement to the parents, to the children. Perhaps this is through practical ways, other ways of serving in the church. Maybe it's simply through serving in nursery or Sunday school or other areas of faith instruction or leadership. But we are called to move forward in faith and action. We are called to make a leap of faith. Whether we are moving forward in faith collectively as a church body through the process of discerning God's leading whether you are moving forward in faith individually in your personal lives, you can take the leap of faith knowing that God has provided for you in the past and he will continue and surely provide for you in the future. The Lord has already initiated his plans for you. You don't need to keep on waiting to see what he will do because he will do it. So let's act in faith and see how God will intervene and continue to bless his people. And together we say, Amen. Let's pray together.
Father God, we give you thanks for all the many things that you do for us. We thank you for miracles. We thank you for your love and for your grace, for your faithfulness, for all your promises. We thank you for calling us into a relationship with you and for being there first. And Lord, help us to respond to you in obedience and faith. For those who do not yet have faith, we trust in your Holy Spirit to open hearts and bring people to faith in your Son, Jesus Christ. For those who are struggling with their faith, we pray that you will work powerfully with your Holy Spirit to renew their faith, to encourage your people. And we pray that you will work in each of us to increase our faith. Lord, help us not to wait for you to always act, but may we move forward in a giant leap of faith. Present before us opportunities to serve you, to work in your kingdom, to be in your community as your church. Stir in us to move forward in action. Bless each of us. Bless your church. Bless our communities. You are a good God, and we bless you. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.